Hello, Jordan. What's up, Michael? What is your anger level on a scale of one to 10 right now? Oof, it's a high anger level, Michael. <laughs> it's high. Does it's that... not It's not the <laughs> highest it's ever been, but it's high. It's an eight? Yeah, yeah, I'd say like a, an eight, four. Okay, 8.4. Yeah, yeah. So based on that new research that was dropped and that we discussed last week, your productivity could be high. Yeah, you know, it's, productive towards my fitness, not productive towards business. The, the, uh, the anger is being fueled to just like work out like a fiend Mm. and also like pay a lot of attention to my family. So it's great to like drive towards that productivity. It's not helping with my social media content. That's for sure. Cause the anger is, is like, I think the anger and like the anger when I was younger was like, all right, I got to show them. I got to show them that I can do this. And so that would drive my productivity towards, towards business. But now anger is like, like I'm not angry about business anymore. <laughs> I'm not like, I got to show them anymore. Now it's like, I'm going to get, I, I'm going to get this anger out on fitness and then I'm going to spend time with my family. But yeah, it's anger's high right now. That's a, that's a good outlet. People are so dumb. It's just wild. Say more. You want me to go into it? I'll go into it. If you want, yeah. I'll, I'll go into it. I'll, dude, I'll go into it. Fuck it. Why not? Let's, let's discuss it. Let's do it. I've done one. I've done two podcasts on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. One I did solo or with my podcast guy, Tony, where I just explained the history of the conflict. And I was uh, pretty freaking objective in explaining both sides have, have done bad. Both sides have done terrible things um, and explain the common enemy is Hamas, explain that I don't want innocent Palestinians to, to die. I don't want innocent Israelis to die. That Hamas is is, uh, is the common enemy of not even just Israelis and Palestinians, but gl- global democracy. So I explained the history in that one. In the next one, I brought on an Israeli Defense Force soldier who, if people listen to that podcast, they'll hear that he called innocent Palestinians, his family, he specifically called them his cousins. He doesn't want them to die. There's no reason for innocent Palestinians to die. He wasn't like calling for innocent Palestinians to die. He wasn't justifying innocent Palestinians dying, um, which was very deliberate. I didn't want to bring a, a fanatic on. And there are a very small percentage of fanatics who are like, they like Jewish or Israeli fanatics, just like there are fanatics in every aspect of the world who just like want the death of, of innocent Palestinians. And I wasn't going to bring one of those on because I, I don't want to give those people a platform. So I brought on an amazing, amazing guy named Rudy, uh, who's an IDF soldier and very fair and wants peace between both peoples. So now I put on my story. I was like, all right, now I want to bring on a Palestinian. And I want a Palestinian to come on so I can hear that perspective. And like I said to you earlier today, I didn't want it to be a debate. I just want to listen. Just like I didn't debate Rudy, I, I just want to listen and get their perspective. The one caveat was that they need to not agree with what happened on October 7th. They need to not support Hamas's decision to slaughter 1,400 innocent people and then take to over 200, over 240 captives, 200 innocent hostages. Um, 
And the number of people who are like, how dare you, you pompous, you're arrogant, you're controlling what they say. Like, would you do that? I'm like, I, I literally did that with the Israeli soldier. I was like, I, I didn't have to say it because I knew his stance because I knew he would, he, and he outright in the podcast said he doesn't want innocent Palestinians dying. He, he wants Palestinians to have independence and a state and he wants them to be free. So people are like, people were just like lost their shit being like, you're controlling their speech. No, I'm not controlling their speech. I just don't want a fucking terrorist to come on my podcast. And I've actually spoken with Palestinians who agree uh, or who agree that Hamas is the common enemy and who don't agree with what Hamas did. But these Palestinians aren't willing to come on my podcast because they're scared that Hamas supporters will attack them and their family. They're not scared of Jews. They're not scared of the IDF. They're not scared of Israel. These Palestinians who disagree with Hamas are scared to publicly voice their opinions because they're worried that Hamas supporters will kill them and their family. It's like, that's a fucking problem that someone who's a Palestinian is not willing to come on and talk about it because they're worried that their own people will kill them for saying that. When you say that people are losing it, you, you got a lot of angry DMs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of angry DMs. How, how many? <sighs> I don't even know. Probably, I mean- Do Dozens? Oh, at least 50. Yeah. That's just the ones that I actually like replied to. You replied to 50? No, not all 50, but I replied to a lot of them. Okay. I thought you were just battling with one. There were a few battles going on. Oh, yeah. 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 I told you about one this morning, but there have been a number. And, and, you've and it's, been it's so funny. As soon as I tell them that the Palestinians I've spoken to who aren't, because here's the thing. I, when I speak to someone, I can't let them be anonymous. I need to know, they need to be able to stand by what they're saying and say their name because Lately, there have been a lot of uh, videos online of Palestinians coming out against Hamas, but they're always anonymous. And as a result, people say, well, this, that's, how do we know that's really a Palestinian? How do we know that that's actually that, that's someone in Gaza or someone? How do we know? How do we know that's just not someone who's Jewish or someone who speaks Arabic saying that stuff? So I need that this person to be okay saying, this is my name. This is where I am. This is where I'm from. Because otherwise people will find a way to say, well, it's not really a Palestinian. But the Palestinians I've spoken to are afraid to do that because they don't want other, they don't want Hamas supporters to be like, okay, well, you said this, we're going to come kill you. And so uh, as soon as I say that, they stop replying. As soon as I say that, like the conversation's over, they, they won't discuss it. I'm like, you realize you're blaming this one side, but you you refuse to see that the one common enemy, the one common problem is Hamas and that even their own people are scared of them. It's, it's just wild. What? I'm, I'm more interested right now and for the podcast and personally at this moment in not like the geopolitical side of it, but the Jordan side of it. I know for the last few <laughs> years, you haven't really battled in the DMs over nutrition or over yeah, yeah. workout strategy, right? Program design. Uh, in 2015, 2016, 2017, you did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. And, and maybe even beyond, what were you battling in the DMs about like two years ago, for example, if, if that came up? I don't, I think that was a good period of no battles. That was like a, that was Low like a ceasefire. battling? Yeah, that was like a ceasefire. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a, a cool. really good time. And, that was a time and, of peace. And now, <laughs> and now obviously this is a hot button issue and, and very close to home for you personally and like, you're battling. Do you think that 
Do you want to be battling? Do you want to no, be like it ruins my fucking day? My blood pressure spikes. It, like it's it. I hate it, but I. <sighs> I also there's part of me that feels a huge amount of guilt that I'm not in Israel that you know I have friends who are serving right now whether they're in Gaza or or they're in uh, on the border of Lebanon a number of friends who are like who've been severely injured and hurt my family's serving like there's the the side of me that like has that guilt of not being there and I'm trying to talk to them as often as I can and uh the conversations that we have are, listen, there are multiple fronts of this war. There's like the the front of like actual fighting. And then there's like the intelligence front. And then there's also like the spreading information front. And there are even other fronts than that, like holding down the house and all like that's a front of the war as well, keeping the kids going like, um, and I very much view my, the one of the things we talk about is like one of the areas that I can actually have an impact is through education and, and trying to trying to bring about peace and i very much believe the only way that can that peace can happen uh, even like be part of the discussion is through discussion and through education and even though i would say the majority not even i would say definitively the majority of the of the dms that i have don't end in agreement a small percentage of them actually do end up in people being like wow i didn't realize that or what would you mind hmm. recommending some books i can read um, because another common one and always be like how many books have you read on the conflict and the answer is always none so then a couple people are like could you recommend some like it just happened i recommended a, a great book and a great podcast series for this young woman um but the being able to do the podcast about it have conversations like this uh the ones i've already put on my podcast i'm actually going on a podcast with these women in in london on over the weekend that's part of what i view as my opportunity to try and bring education and bring awareness to the complexity and the truth around this because anyone who just like just says like this is right this is wrong this is good this is bad they just pick a side without any nuance it's it's doing more harm than good. And if we want to have some type of peace in the long term, there has to be conversations and voices heard from both sides. So that's where I'm trying to do my best with that. And it's why it's one of the reasons why I really get in the DMs and why I post about it, even though I know it's going to ruin my fucking day because I feel like I have to. And those are different to me, by the way, like posting about it is educating. I didn't know how often you're convert like Similarly to if someone rages about how calories don't matter, I don't know how often you're going to convert that person in a Instagram DM conversation, but maybe here Correct. it's, it's a, a slightly higher percentage. Um, yeah. 8.4. 8.4 is high, but not the highest. Yeah. Even just talking about it though, it's, it's cathartic. So I'll put it at like an 8.1 now. It's dropping. Oh, I, I thought you were in the sevens. Okay. All right. Eight one. We'll, get, we'll say seven nine. Seven nine. It is pretty like, crazy. Like as soon as just you talk about it, you get it. Out. If I didn't just have that mini outburst for the last ten minutes, I definitely would have. It would have been worse throughout the conversation. But I'm I'm, I'm a little bit cooled off now. I'm happy to hear that. Uh, we have something that <laughs> I'm, I'm going to read this. So we got this message from. I suppose she listens to the podcast, at least sometimes, uh, but it's an inquiry about the mentorship. 
Hi, I've been listening to your podcast for ages and haven't been convinced about joining your online fitness business mentorship. You talk a lot about using your own spreadsheets to create programs for clients, but it seems the world is gravitating towards online fitness apps like Train Heroic and Trainerize to help plan their programs. I understand that having a good understanding I understand that having a good understanding of how to create your own programs on spreadsheets is beneficial, but I am looking for ways to create an online PT business using Train Heroic or Trainerize. Do you provide anything along those lines? I feel like they're necessary to keep up with the demands of new technology. I got pregnant and super sick, then had a baby who is not a, now a toddler and fell off for and fell for behind with social media <laughs> reels. Reels became a thing, and TikTok got massive. Now it looks like all PTs are offering their programs through the aforementioned apps, especially for mass group programming to earn more income. If you don't provide this, what are your thoughts? Is your program still for me? I don't have a website, only Instagram, and I get a lot of people asking if I have an app slash platform where I can provide them a program from abroad. Thank you. Liz. You want to start? Well, you're still at a seven nine, and I think uh, <laughs> I'm just going to let you to go in. I don't see how we can reply any other way to this other than going in. Oh man, like, did you deliberately like feed this to me, knowing that I'm angry and like, all right, I'm just going to like let off some steam right now? Uh, no, I thought that this question would piss us both off, and okay, so yeah, I thought that was it'd right. be fun to yep. talk about. <laughs> but but I didn't know you'd be coming in with pre-existing anger. To this level. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, so yeah. I feel like it's just gas on the now fire. Now I'm back it's, up to an 8.5. Now I'm like an 8.5 right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's There's like, and I'm really trying to woo-saw myself right now because I know it was asked with good intent. Um, woo-saw. Deep woo-saw. breath. You're, you're still in ESTP <laughs> at heart. Deep breath. <sighs> it's, uh, listen, there's nothing wrong with these programs. And if you want to use them, go for it. That's fantastic. Um, one of the great parts about these programs is they're self-explanatory and they're programs that you're going to pay for. So if you sign up to use them, then hopefully you're being taught how to use them from the company because you're paying for that service. We don't recommend using programs like that because for many reasons, but not least of which is you're building your business on the back end of someone else's business. You're literally building the foundation of your business is built on someone else's business. The success of your business is determined by the success of their business in part where if let's say their business fails and all of a sudden like Anything happens. And by fails, maybe it doesn't even, their business might not go under. Maybe their server fails and you can't reach your clients, which has happened before on these programs. Uh, maybe they decide to, because they have access to all your client emails. Maybe they decide they want to email your clients and sell something. They can do that because they have access. Maybe they decide they want to increase the price randomly, which can happen and they've done it and they can start charging you more. Now, again, these are these programs are great and they work well. And we actually have people in the mentorship who use these programs and it's fine. That's whatever. Um, but we don't recommend it. The other thing we'll say is, uh, I believe you said something effective. This is what like, uh, I think one of the things that really lit me up was to the effect of like, these things are, are like necessary. <laughs> no, they're not. Your clients don't give a shit what fucking package your programs come in. 
whether it's in a PDF, a spreadsheet, a straight up email, like just literally a text in an email or in one of these apps, they don't care. What your clients care about is do you care about them? Are you communicating? Are you answering questions? And are you giving them a good program? That is it, period. Like it's just just, they don't care about it. And I would say now more than ever, more than ever before in modern history, giving your clients just a program in an email, but with legitimate communication with you, you asking how they are, how's their family, what's going on in their life, them not feeling just like another number, them not feeling just like another program that you 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 programmed into an app, you, them feeling like a real human would probably be more beneficial now than ever before. And again, these apps are great. They can work really well. And we have people in the mentorship who use them. But do not get it twisted. Do not think that they're necessary or essential. Um, and, and yep, that's actually, and I know a lot of coaches have had issues with them because this is another issue is they have, they, the way that they format is the way that they format. So if, if you're creating your own programs, whether it's in Excel or on Word or in an email, you can format it however you want. It, you're you're subject to how they format it in their programming and on, on their app, which can be freaking annoying sometimes. So it's up to you. Completely agree. We're on the same page on this. Ah. I'm actually very surprised to hear, and I wonder if there might have been some misinterpretation about what people are asking for um, when they ask, do you have an app or do you have a platform? Uh, I can count on less than one hand, less than five times over the last decade, has someone reached out for online coaching and wanted it to be on an app or it to be on a platform or cared about the mechanism of delivery of the coaching. Uh, mm-hmm. Potential clients aren't thinking about that. They mm-hmm. want whatever progress they want and they want it from you, which is why they're reaching out to you. And they want it from you because they like you, because they trust you, because uh, they think that you have their best interest at heart, because uh, they believe that you're smart enough and competent enough to help them reach their goals, that you care enough about them to help them reach their goals. They're not doing it because you have this fancy, shiny app. So so that's point number one. Point number two is something in here to the effect of like, uh, now it looks like all PTs are offering their programs through the aforementioned apps, especially for mass group programming to earn more income. Almost zero PTs are offering mass group programming through apps. Mm -hmm. It's just, that might be what you see. That might be the illusion people are putting out. Um, uh, Meaning like they use this app and it seems like they're doing mass group programming for a lot of people. Of all personal trainers, the number who are working with mass amounts of people on an app rounds to zero, like is 0%. Yeah. If we're rounding, it's less than 1%. It's less than 0.5%. It is close to zero. Uh, that might be who you're following. That might be these people with very large audiences. Sure, there are some of those, but of all coaches, most are not doing that. Um, so that like, you know, you know how sometimes uh, someone will ask, like, I feel like I'm 
feel like I'm not keeping up with my peers because, you know, I always see them pitching and I always see them coming out with new programs. And I always see them like I'm taking on two new clients every other week. It seems like they're taking on two new clients and they have all these strategies. Like they must just be killing it. Like, no, the people who are always pitching, who are always coming out with something new, who are always dropping this new, exciting thing are not mm-hmm. doing well. And that's why they mm-hmm. always have this new thing. The people who are just cruising along, getting referrals, getting new coaching submissions, have people stumbling across their content via SEO, have like, don't necessarily need more clients. Those are the people and those are the coaches who you would actually want to to mimic. Uh, it's like, imagine you follow, the, the majority of people that you follow are like fitness models and like Victoria's Secret models and and bodybuilders and physique competitors and and people like Greg Plitt rest in peace, just people who are just shredded and look just ridiculous. And, and they're only posting pictures of themselves when they're at their leanest, when they're at their most shredded. And then you say, ah, I just feel like everyone in the fitness industry is just shredded all the time. And and it's like, no, you're only seeing what they're showing you. And you're only looking at the, the smallest, teeniest, tiniest percentage of the elite of the elite of the elite of the elite when the vast majority of the fitness industry isn't even close to shredded. And even the ones that you're looking at are not shredded all the time. They're just showing you the pictures of when they look their absolute leanest after they've peaked for a photo shoot and da 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 da. That's what you're doing with this when you're saying, yeah, all these people are doing mass programming. I would love for you to go to all these people, especially if they're friends of yours who are doing all the, this quote unquote mass programming and ask them to show you, show them like how much they're bringing in every month from this mass programming. Like, hey, would you mind showing me like what the last three months looked like? Like showing me the back end. Don't just tell me, show me what the back end looked like. And let's see. And see if, if you could find more than five people who are, who are doing mass programming at, at a very high successful level, I would be shocked. Yep. The other thing is, like the system and method of delivery is not the hard part about building a business. Correct. There are two aspects of building a business that are that are much more difficult. Becoming a great coach and mm-hmm. finding clients who want to work with you. Mm-hmm. Those are the two yep. things that basically everyone needs to work on. Like you're you're putting the cart before the horse when you're thinking about it's almost like, you know, our fascination with business cards in 2012 or or like company name, like majoring in the minors early on thinking that that matters when that doesn't matter. It's, mm-hmm. it's being an unbelievable coach and, you know, building an audience so that there are people who know what you offer and, and as a result, people who want to work with you as clients. Like those are the two things that really take time and effort. If you want to use one of these platforms, great, do it um, or, or don't do it. But it's it's not worth uh, spending much time thinking about. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. My uh, My good friend, Inner Circle member, Natalia, she asked, how are you enjoying the house and being away from the city? It's mm. the fucking best. It is the best, dude. Being outside of the city, this is the play. Let me tell you. Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you. You glad Grass, you're outside of the city? Space, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. But you would do something funny. Ever <laughs> this is this is like I, I I know this is how you're gonna act every time you end up going to New York. This is like the 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 best chain of events. 
you spend time in Minnesota, right? You're you're home, you're in the suburbs, you're chilling. A couple months go by, you're going to do a surprise visit to go coach Gary. You land in the city and as soon as you get there, you're like, this is it. The energy <laughs> is real. This city is the best. It's back. I love the city. And then within 24 hours, you're like, bro, we're not designed to be in these cities, man. I got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> the buildings are caving in on me. It's too, it's like there's no nature. I can't see the stars. It's too busy. We're not supposed to be in cities like this. And then you're ready to get back home. That's exactly right. That's a, that's 100% correct. Al- although that isn't city versus like suburb or country. That's just New York City. Because New York <laughs> City is, is, is electric and, and, uh, New York City is the greatest city on earth, mm-hmm. bar none. Yep. Like, like Fact. unquestionable. There's intangible, Correct. like magic in that city that yes. no other yep. big city has. Um, and that's what I feel when I land there. But then, yeah, within 24 to 72 hours, I've had enough. I've had my fill, and it's time to get back to the peace of not being on top of people. Yeah. Would you ever build out? your own like garage slash home gym or do you like going to other gyms listening to you talk about building makes me never want to build well i mean i don't mean a house i mean because you've got your house right now and let's assume that you're going to stay there forever which oh, maybe I, see, I, see. I mean just oh, like, a gym. like a home a home gym got yeah, it i thought you yeah, meant yeah. like build a structure uh yeah i'd be open to it all right. What would your if you were gonna build a home gym, and I'm let's say like you were gonna build with a pretty big budget, we'll call it like a hundred thousand dollars, because like you're super wealthy, and <laughs> Jordan is Jordan is rich. Jordan is. Let me tell you. (laughs) All right. So let's just say you happen to have a $100,000 budget for your home gym. Okay. What would you get? And and you don't have to know the cost of these equipment. But my point being, you just have a lot of money to spend in your home gym. What would you get? This is a fun game. Uh, I don't have a $100,000 budget for my home gym, but this is a fun (laughs) game. I, so we'll go, we'll go pretty much in order. Um, An adjustable bench. Uh, like a solid, I actually really, really like planet fitness benches. Mm, mm. I don't know what brand they are. Um, they're a little high up for barbell benching, uh, for me personally. Are they life fitness? Are they life fitness benches? Planet fitness? Maybe. That they just branded? I think, oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, keep going. Um, and they're, they're very sturdy. They're wide, which I really like. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they actually get wider as you go further up the bench. They're great for like dumbbell pressing and and chest supported row like they they're just very good benches. Uh I would get a I wouldn't get adjustable dumbbells with that budget. I would get a rack of dumbbells up to 100s, maybe 120s. Um just because I like regular dumbbells so much more than adjustable dumbbells for a lot of exercises yeah. where the adjustables are a little clunky. Yeah. Uh I would get a, I would get the, oh man. So I was thinking I would get your normal like two stack cable pulley 
with mm-hmm. a, like multiple pull-up bars above and then two cable stacks. You could do like a, you know, a cable crossover fly and you can do tricep press downs over here. You can, you know, do whatever you want over on this other pulley, but with, and, and maybe I'm not explaining this, but, but the ones that are like, you know, for the, 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 the cable stacks are like four to six feet apart. Yeah. Like really but, far, but, really far apart. No, 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 yeah. not really far apart. Oh, not really far. The apart. closer one. Yeah. That, oh, you like those better? It goes in like the corner. No, I don't like them better. But that that's what I oh, would okay. get realistically. But with a hundred K budget, yeah, yeah. I'd probably get the the real deal where you have, you know, yeah. uh, seat, seated cable row, you got a lap yeah. pull down, you got kit, you got two pulleys over here, and then you got two pulleys on this side with some other stuff on this side, and then you really have a lot of space between the, the yeah. cable crossover. That's what I would get with unlimited space and massive budget. Um, so some kind of pulley system. I'd have a barbell and a squat rack just because like, and and I would probably use it for, I like barbell overhead press. Um, I'm retired from the barbell back squat. So I don't know that I would ever, what's the, what's, uh, who's it? Mike Robertson. No one over the age of something ever needs to be squatting. Mike Boyle. Mike Boyle, mm. I think he was like anyone over forty. No one should be back squatting or or deadlifting. <laughs> why did I just butcher? Why did I just mix up? Mike Robertson, Robertson is another Boyle. strength coach. He's an amazing strength coach. Yeah, but how did I how did I mix those two up in my mind? Two both Mikes, and they're both like There's in a... that that like Eric Cressy world. That's true. Mike Robertson yeah. and Eric Cressy co-authored the the Neanderthal No More series on T Nation. They've done uh, a lot of stuff together over the years. Makes sense. That's an, an easy mix up. They don't look anything alike. They're different age brackets, but like their teachings are both phenomenal. My brain really let me down on that one. Uh, I could see you like in a belt squat. Would you get a belt squat? Depends on how much space I have. It's a very mm. cool piece of equipment. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan, but... Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, if space was unlimited, I'd have all kinds of yeah. cool machines. I love a line hand. Like the thing about machines in a home gym is you can only do one exercise on that machine. Right, and, right, And the right. space to like versatility ratio is super low. But yeah, I love a leg extension. I love a, a line hamstring curl. Um, there's certain There's certain machine shoulder presses that I like. But yeah, that, that's the base of it. Rack of dumbbells, adjustable bench, get, get mirrors, get your pulleys, have a barbell, locked and loaded. How, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm building one out right now. Um, I wanted one of those, like, the, one of those the, cable machines uh, that- five, $500,000 budget though, right? No, no, no. I've got like a $500 budget. Oh, 500? Um yeah, five hundred. No, <laughs> that would actually be a good episode. What would you do with a five hundred dollars budget? Go on Facebook Marketplace and stuff. Um, no, but I was gonna. I wanted to get one of those like double stack cable machines that are really far apart that also have the seating mm-hmm. cable row and the lat pull down. And um, but it, the space, I just didn't have the space for it. Uh, so uh, I I did get one of the cable machines that you said like the ones that are closer together, like double stack, but they're closer together. So I got one of those. And I also got a lat pull down seated cable row. Um, so I have not, they haven't been delivered yet, but yeah, that I'm very excited to have those. I have my like uh, S2 squat stand from Rogue, which I like a lot because you can do everything on it. It's just not like a, a power rack. 
I feel like the power racks are a little bit overrated. They cost way, way, way more. And mm. you don't you don't need that whole box. Like they're obviously stable more stable, but just a regular squat stand or the chin-up bar, you can literally do all of the same things. And you can get mm. the benefits of having the safety pins. You can put the safety pins in there. You can get the dip bar on there. Uh way more cost effective and takes up way less space. So um, I like having a squat stand, uh, dumbbell. I'm getting dumbbells up to 75. If I was in my powerlifting days, I would have gotten them up to hundreds, but like eventually I'm sure I'll get up to hundreds, but I don't need that from 75. I don't need like 80 to hundred just right now. I'm getting the dumbbells up to, cause I do like the rack of dumbbells. I have, I have the adjustables, but the rack of dumbbells is just way more convenient. And I like that better. I'm with you. Unfortunately, Gary's getting so strong. And I simply can't allow him to surpass me on any lifts that I yeah, need yeah. to continue like on a single arm row, a chest supported row on these moves where he's like, he's yeah. at his gym. They only have up to nineties only. And he's like, what only, are we yeah. going to do? He's like sing, single arm rowing 80 for eight to 10 reps. Super clean. That's crazy. He's like, he's like what are we going to do? It's coming soon. But that is, it's like, okay, I'm, yeah. Like that's a gap that I'm not going to allow to close. Yeah. That's smart. Is he doing any tricep work lately? I am getting him to do some tricep work. Probably one one out of every four times we hit a tricep isolation exercise. He goes, Mike, don't need to be training these. <laughs> this is you one of my favorite story? stories of all time. Yeah. It's for everyone who doesn't know. And I'm sure some people have heard this story a couple of times. But when I uh, when I first started coaching Gary... I was, I, I gave him, you know, doing a regular program and I gave him a tricep exercise and he looked at me and he said, what muscle does this work? And I showed him, I was like, it works your tricep. And he goes, no, 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 I don't, I don't need to do, <laughs> I don't need to work that muscle. This muscle is like super developed on me. He's like, I don't need to work on that. He just wanted to work on his chest. So like anytime that we were going to work on his tricep, he's like, no, no, I don't need to do that. So then I would like tell him we were going to do an exercise that didn't work that worked a different muscle but then it also worked his triceps so i would never tell him when it worked his triceps because he would always be like no no no, i, I don't need to work that muscle <laughs> yeah hilarious <laughs> these have always been very developed i don't need anything here yeah 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 but i would i would get a belt squat i i think a belt squat is probably i think that's probably one of the most underrated pieces of equipment in all of gym equipment is the belt squat it's it feels amazing on the back you get the traction on the spine you don't get the the spinal decompression that you do with a with a barbell on your back you get all of the benefits with you get all the benefits with no none of the risk that you have from a barbell on your back none of the torque on the shoulder none of the actual spinal issues all of the benefits and then the benefits of the traction on the spine i think the belt squat is is probably top 5 most underrated pieces of equipment to exist in the strength and conditioning world just depends how much space you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a huge piece of equipment. It's a it's a large, large piece of equipment. But when I go to an because I'm not going to have one here when we move into our house, it is something I would like to buy. Like I don't have nearly enough space in the, in the gym that we have right here, but I would like to eventually buy that. My wife, that's her my wife's favorite piece of equipment because she's been going to a gym near where we live now. And I told her 
before we moved here, I was like, I want to buy one. And she had never used it. And she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She came back. She was like, oh my God, they had this amazing uh, piece of equipment. It's like a West Side barbell type gym. There's this amazing piece of equipment. And I and she was explaining it. And I showed her what a belt squat looked like. She was like, that was it. I was like, I told you you'd like this piece of equipment. <laughs> and uh, she loved it. It's, it's, it's amazing. I think that is, yeah, it's an amazing piece of equipment. And to be honest, like – one of the things I like about a rack is all the pull-up variations. Uh, I, I find hanging knee raises, hanging leg raises with a little rotation on them or straight to be one of the best abdominal exercises. Um, and and so if you have the cable crossover, if you have the pulleys and you have something that you can do all of, you have like a stable bar to hang from and do overhead pulling on, uh, that just reduces the versatility of the squat rack making it essentially just squat overhead press. And, yeah. and so yeah. I definitely agree with you that as long as it's stable enough, not having yeah. the not having the box, but just having the like whatever two pillar rack makes more sense. Yeah. You know what else I think? I think the SS bar is severely underrated. You, if I was you just bought one. If I was coaching people and I just bought one, yeah. I, I got one when I was in college. I ordered one because me and my my two buddies, Nick Busan, who actually just recently passed, and my buddy Joe Ratenny, we uh, we ordered an your SS buddy from bar. College, your buddy from college passed away? Yeah. Yeah, he just passed the last couple of weeks. It was really sad. It was Jeez. out of nowhere. Yeah, that was not good. But we Man, we, we all started the the UD powerlifting team. And he uh, and we ordered, we like got like, I don't know, I think like five hundred or a thousand dollars a semester in funding, and so we ordered the SS bar and we got that for UD. And like, if I was coaching people in person, and or if I had a client who had access to an S bar, but if I was coaching people in person, explain explain what that bar is. So SS bar it stands for. <laughs> if you're a World War II person, you're like SS, that sounds terrible. It's a safety squat bar, um, which basically it's. Instead of it, basically it, it wraps around your neck and goes in front of your shoulder. So if you Google search SS bar, you'll see that like, instead of having to severely externally rotate your shoulders to then get behind the bar with the bar on your back. Now you can just literally hold on to it in front of your chest. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see what I'm doing. Um, it, I love it because it puts way less, no stress on the shoulders. And also it really forces you into thoracic extension. I think it's way better for posture uh, and for developing the muscles of your upper back. Um, also puts less stress on your spine and has, I think, less spinal compression and way more comfortable. So if I was coaching people in person, I don't think I would ever have anyone squat with a straight bar. They would only squat with SS bar. I just don't see, if you have access to it, I don't see a reason why Unless they're a, a power lifter or an Olympic lifter, the only uh, if it's a gen pop person or even an athlete, SS bar would be the only squat squat bar that I have them use. I understand everything you just said, except less spinal compression. There's mm -hmm. there's less spinal compression on a on a back squat using an I SS would bar. Imagine to only because, um, and I might be wrong on this. But I would imagine because when you have the regular bar, uh, mm -hmm. it's more localized. Like it's a it's a thin bar. It's more localized onto the spine, whereas the SS mm -hmm. bar, it's a big pad and it's more spread out through your entire back. 
So mm. I would imagine because the force is more spread out through your entire back, you have more going into different muscles. You have more going, and I have zero research to support this, but I would imagine that because it's more the the straight bar, smaller, more localized directly on the spine, you'd probably get more spinal compression. And and if that isn't true in research, blah blah blah, you feel like there's less 100%. spinal compression. Yeah, cool. I feel. Cool way better using the SS bar on my back than I do with the straight bar. Nice. Have you used the SS bar? Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah. I like it on the shoulders. I mean, I don't like squatting, but I like yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it on the shoulders. Or even like if you're doing uh, lunges or, or good mornings or whatever, like Dude, it's, I don't, it's an amazing I, bar to use. I've never backloaded and I haven't backloaded an exercise in eight years other than a barbell back squat. I just- way prefer holding dumbbells for ever, like walking lunge, Bulgarian split squat for myself. Everything feels better holding dumbbells. Yeah. That makes sense. Where are you at? 6.8? Yeah. Yeah. It's going down. Yeah. Nice. I'm, I'm, I'm in the high sixes, low sevens right now. Feeling okay. good. Okay. All right. I don't want to get too low, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no productivity. What are you sipping on? A little monster. Mm. Dude, it was funny. Um, I I will like never say no to an opportunity to meet and talk to someone new. Even though I don't do sponsorships, if a company reaches out to me, I'll always get on the phone and talk with them. So uh, monster, not monster, Red Bull reached out to me like, I don't know, two weeks ago. And they were like, hey, we'd love to talk with you about a potential partnership. And I was like, yeah, sure, we can talk. Um, and <laughs> I didn't realize it, but I, my, so my wife has been buying these monsters cause she loves monster. And I like log on to the video call. And if you're watching YouTube, like you can see, I log on to the video call to get on a call with Red Bull and I've got my monster sitting <laughs> right in front and they're like, Oh, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sorry. And I, I, I doubt anything is going to happen with them. I told them, I was like, I've never done sponsorships. I'm not looking to do sponsorships, but like, I'm, I just, I always think it's a good idea to speak with people and establish a relationship because you just never know what could happen in the future with that person or anything. And it's always good. I think it's better to put a face to the name and, and actually meet them than just to say, I'm not doing that and not meet them. But that was a, a funny, funny interaction. Do you think that's driven in part by your desire for human interaction? No, no. Because I would rather in that, in that moment, I would rather be with my daughter and wife than being on a conference call, be, especially because I know I'm not going to sign on with Red Bull to do a like paid sponsorships with Red Bull. But like, I very much like I, I don't think I've ever turned down uh, when a company says, hey, we'd like to talk. I've never turned that meeting down just be, like because I, I would always like to talk to someone just because you just never know. You never know what could happen. What could happen? Who knows? Um, you don't know like if they're going to say something that surprises you. You don't know if in seven years they'll have left that company and then they're doing their own thing and then you meet. Um, you just, one thing I've learned so throughout from my life is, yeah, from a networking perspective, getting to know people's perspective, I think it's a very smart idea to give people a chance, talk with them and not say no just because of what you think they might be after or what you think. And the two people at Red Bull were great. They were super nice. They knew my brand really, really well. Um, they were very supportive of what I said. And like, there's nothing that I, I disliked about what they were doing. It seemed very genuine, authentic people. Um, 
So I think there's it, it never hurts to establish a good relationship with people. I'm going to start forwarding you the inquiries we get for the mentorship because I have never taken one of those calls or meetings. And if anything, when they send like five emails in a row, I just like rage respond to them. Like, obviously I'm not interested. Don't send me five follow-up emails about some stupid collab. Like I'm going to start forwarding you these because there might be opportunities there that I'm missing. Well, like from who? Give me like, is there anyone specific or any like company? Yeah. Some, some dude reached out who, I don't know, runs some, uh, some sports thing and they got, they have like a decent hundreds of thousands of followers. I checked one of their socials. Dude, send them over. I didn't know this was going on in the business. I'll send them send over. It, yeah. Forward them, forward them to me and I'll hop on the call with them. Beautiful. Perfect. I'm a P. ESTP. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. You like business you like, Yeah. Too. My employee, Jordan Syatt, will <laughs> hop on in the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I think he addressed it to both of them. Or I think I think he thinks it's a bigger operation than it is because he's like, anyone, you know, if I could speak to someone within your organization, I'm like, okay, well. Yeah, people say that in my DMs a lot. Like, hey, uh, Jordan's team. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck you think you're talking to. <laughs> well, no, actually, let's, let's wrap up by talking about this. Um, there are a lot of, not a lot, but there are many people who set up their business in a way that we could have, or maybe that you considered where there are dozens of employees um, and, and run things in a very different way, which is an option uh, that was never interesting to me. And I know isn't interesting to you. Yeah. Especially the, from the perspective of, and I would say there are a lot of people who outsource their social media way before that should even be a consideration in their mind, hmm. like where they start hiring people to hiring companies to post for them and to answer the DMS. And I'm like, that is, that is a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. And this is one of the areas where I think I was super blessed to be able to see how Gary works because Gary's got over 10 million followers and, and I don't know, hundreds of businesses at this point. And like, <laughs> Social media is his like side hustle and he's still the only one posting and answering DMs and, and on his account, like he's the one who goes in and does it all. And so I think seeing that for me was very helpful being like, okay, well, if that's what Gary's doing. And there's no reason for me to be doing that. Not to mention it, it didn't feel right, but it was very, a good reinforcement being like, okay, like you, sh you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't have other people doing this, especially if you're trying to build your brand on social media. If you're a celebrity and like, I don't know, you're an actor and, and you don't really care about building your brand, fine. Have someone else have an agent run your social media, whatever. But if you're a personal trainer and you're trying to build your personal training brand on social media and you hire a company to run your social media and they're not coaches and it's not you, it's a terrible, terrible decision. That's a great point. Even hiring employees that you then have to manage. So if you look at your day-to-day -day schedule and the autonomy and flexibility that you have relative to, okay, I got to be in the office by eight because I have meetings with employees from eight to 11. And then I have like a little gap where I can do this. And then I have to have these team meetings from two to four setting up your business in a way that gives you more personal flexibility in your day-to-day -day versus makes you accountable uh, in your schedule to those employees is a, 
a different path. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with hiring employees. I mean, it's, it can be great depending on what your goal is. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing to do for them and for the economy as a whole. It, it does. It's amazing. I would just keep in mind as, as a coach, I know a very common practice that lately is to hire more and more coaches onto your team so that you can build a bigger business. Just remember that the more coaches you hire to work underneath you, the more you become a manager and less of a coach you become, which is fine. That's totally fine if that's what you want to do. But if you want to be a coach and not a manager, do not hire a lot of coaches to work underneath you because then you're no longer you're not only now responsible for the clients who are working with you, but for what your coaches are doing. And you're edu- you have to educate those coaches and you have to make sure they're doing the right things. You have to keep track of them. It's Hiring a lot of coaches is a very different business model. Well, and you're you're uh, not only hiring coaches, but hiring developers. Hire and look, working with one developer who's like a, a contractor is different than having an in-house dev team of of many people. Mm-hmm. Or honestly, I don't like. I'm not going to name names, but there are multiple name names. people. And- Call them out. I'm not calling them out. <laughs> These are I'm people joking. who I'm you I'm met joking. with. <laughs> no, let's let's say them and bleep them out. Or do you know who I'm thinking of right now? I have no clue. I have no clue. Like, or like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's bleep those out. But yeah, yeah. bleep them out, bleep my mouth out. But uh, after meeting with them and seeing what their day to day looks like, and then you calling me and being like, dude, we really set up our business in the right way. Like seeing yeah. the day to day life, not to mention the margin you give away. And I understand that some people are actually like love business, Gary, for example. Mm -hmm. So it isn't about the business isn't to support their life. And they're not thinking in terms of like, okay, if I'm a solopreneur or like have an independent contract or whatever, maybe have an assistant working part-time, whatever it is, but like it's a lifestyle business in that your mart, almost all of your revenue is net income. Like we're not selling a physical product. We don't have very high costs, probably like 10% website, email, uh, server, whatever. Like these are small costs relative to revenue. Whereas when you're hiring a bunch of people uh, or even mm-hmm. partnering with a bunch of people, your your percent of revenue that is actually take home is so much less that you need to big a, build a bigger business in order to make enough to support. What, so like even if you're blowing up revenue, net income is only increasing a fraction of that. It's just, it's different. And uh and not something that I obviously aspire towards or that, or that you at this stage. Yeah. It's not how much you make. It's how much you keep. And it's what you're doing in your day-to-day life and whether or not right. you want to be doing yeah. those things. If you're invigorated yeah. by, you know, going to an office and meet and having meetings with your employees all day, like that's amazing. That's not what Mike wants. That's for sure. (laughs) It's not what Jordan, dude, you're running through your neighborhood with your weighted vest on. It's true. I don't want to be, I don't want to have an office and I don't want to have office. No one likes office meetings. Those suck. No one likes like right now we're seeing like all these employees who are like are resigning because their bosses are saying you got to come back to the office. Like, fuck that. I don't want to go to the office. Mm -hmm. Like we, it's uh, no one wants to do that. Yep. Preach, yeah, David. Bleep those, bleep those names out, and and cover Mike's mouth. For David doesn't miss. Yeah, I just want to make sure because David's crushing it. But uh, (laughs) just want to make sure. 
<laughs> Good episode. We don't miss weeks. Tuesday uploads. Uh, please, please leave us a five-star review, Spotify, Apple, wherever you're getting your podcast. It helps us a lot. It takes like 90 seconds. We greatly appreciate it. And, uh, and we'll jump in there and, and read some of those. Um, so thank you. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. See ya. See you soon.